Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, Life in the Saddle. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Hey there, everybody. Thanks for joining me here today on my podcast. I hope you're having a great day wherever in the world you are. Today I'm going to share another story from my experience as a working cowboy and and maybe just try to draw some ideas or principles or things that we can learn from that experience. So this is a story that I I often share at my clinics and uh, people enjoy hearing about sort of that practical experience and uh, and and what I've what I've been through. So it was must have been midsummer, I guess, in the, in the Bighorn Mountains, northern Wyoming. And we were gathering some cow-calf pairs. We'd trailered up the horses from ranch headquarters that morning and driving up into the high country from the little town of Shell, Shell, Wyoming. It was, yeah, yeah, it must have been about midsummer, and the, and the grass was high. And it was good, good summer. We unloaded near the National Forest Service ranger station there, and... It was my first summer on on that outfit, and I'd only been sort of in that area a few times. Our aim was to gather about 350 pairs and push them on over into the next grazing allotment. I was riding a seven-year-old black gelding that had been put in my string a few months before. He'd been known before as Diablo, which some of you may know that's Spanish for devil. And he had a bit of a reputation for get you know kind of being hard to get along with. The first thing that he would do was when you're saddling him, he'd learned how to kind of hold up the operation by moving over into you and and pushing against you, pinning you against the hitching rail. So that was interesting. And you know I'd been working with him and and getting him quieted down. And I I found him to be real sensitive and smart, and I I really enjoyed riding him. I called him Blackhawk. He was he was a cool horse. I think that he had been uh, pushed, you know, made to do lots of things, and he was super sensitive, and he he had a lot of try, and so he he would do these things, but uh, just a little too much pressure, you know, and not enough understanding, and so he was he was reactive in a lot of what he did, and then got to be a little evasive about things. He just would avoid. A person or 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 the task at hand a little bit because he didn't understand and he just hated the pressure. It was too much pressure, so I just backed off of him and and took it easy for a little bit and and took it slow. You know, just waiting for him to catch on and understand and come along with me. And he was he was doing good. I really liked him. I had my young blue healer cross puppy named Cobb. He was with me that day too, and. He was still real young, still early in the stages of learning how to be a cow dog, and, and it was really my first attempt attempt at at developing a, a proper cow dog. So he he loved it. He absolutely loved being out there. He was the best dog I've ever had to this point, and and we were sort of learning together. And and well, we'd been at it for for a couple of three hours, I guess, and had covered 
the majority of the allotment that we were clearing when I spotted spotted a bovine down the mountainside below us that apparently we appeared to have missed. So I called Cobb down off back the main herd that I'd been sort of pushing along with some of the other guys and I, I began making my way down this slope. I was using deer trails where I could to make the going easier. It, it, it was a bit steep. It wasn't long before I could see that it was a bull. He was near the fence that divided our grazing lease from the neighboring one. And the next thing I realized was that it was actually the neighbor's bull. And I recalled that there was a gate up the hill a little way from where he was positioned. So I thought to myself, might be a good opportunity to work my dog and, and try and see if he could, you know, get down hill of that bull, drive the bull up the fence and save my horse the work of going all the way down there only to have to climb all the way back up. I'd been working on sending Cobb out to cows, but hadn't got much further than that. He was always excited to try, you know, and he headed straight for the bull when I sent him. Mr. Bull wasn't too happy to see young Cobb, and, and there was a short and sharp discussion that ended with me calling the pup off. So I eased Black, Black Hawk on down the grade past where the bull was standing there blowing snot and rumbling his objections to being disturbed. It wasn't too far up the fence line to that gate, and I thought maybe we could persuade him to head that way. I had Cobb come in behind me, you know, so he wasn't pushing on the bull at all, which in hindsight might have been a mistake. We started up the hill towards the bull, and he turned around and began lumbering up along the fence. I thought, so far, so good. But going uphill didn't suit the bull for long, and he was still mad at my dog, so the next instant he whipped around and charged us. Full steam. Must have been an 1,800-pound bull, and they can move mighty quick. He was barreling downhill on us. The barbed wire fence was on my left, which meant really there was only one option. Black Hawk and I were kind of the same mind as we sidestepped just neatly to the right, and the bull blew by us, right between us and the fence. Man, it was close. I took a moment to scan the slopes above us to see if any of the rest of the crew was around to lend a hand, and nope, I was alone. <laughs> so I had to make another try. I positioned my horse back below the bull and started easing him up the fence line again. And we made it a little further than we had before, but he had figured out how to call the bluff now, and he made a second charge at us. Just the same way. And just the same way we just side-passed out of harm's way. I thought I could feel the wind blow right through my boot. I mean, it was close. And I just, I was determined to get this bull back where he belonged. You know, he might get missed in the neighbor's roundup or follow along with our gather, which means only getting further from where he belonged, causing more work in the long run. There was still no one in sight to assist in convincing him that the gate was a little more than a stone's throw away. Cobb wasn't experienced enough to turn him. As I began to move in below him again, he turned up the hill, and it appeared he was looking for somewhere to go, and that was a relief. But... It didn't last long as he paused a little flat to catch his breath and blow some more snot. Then he turned north, smashed right through the fence. Just crashed right through it. <laughs> I mean, just as well we weren't breeding our cows from that temperament. I was glad to see his backside disappearing over the ridge, I tell you. And, uh, you know, I use that story a lot in sort of showing people a picture or a possibility of 
things that can happen. And you don't have to be a working cowboy or working with cattle or, or anything like that to come into a situation where it will pay to have worked your horse and gotten together on some things so that there's some clarity, there's some accuracy, there's some maneuverability. And your horse is sensitive enough to you that you can ask them and try to communicate something to do right now with some urgency, with some, like I say, clarity and accuracy. And a situation like this is not where that training or where that communication is established. It's not in those situations that you uh, begin to work on these things or that you begin to address how sensitive or tuned in or accurate your horse is in, in doing what, what you're asking him to do. In this moment, whatever that looks like for you, when you need those things, that's a test. That's really a test of what it is you've established prior to that. Now, if it's a good experience and you come through it and do more than just survive, hopefully it's also a, a training thing, if you want to use that word, like it's still a, a, a development or a building upon that foundation. But if you don't have that foundation in there established, if you haven't sort of done little things, these little things, just a little bit but often, as Tom Dorrance used to say, there, there comes a point where you're going to need these things, the, 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 the accuracy, the clarity, the maneuverability, and you will not be able to prepare for that specific situation whether it's an object that your horse is scared of or whether it is a dangerous thing where, you know, a bull or a bear or, or a lion or what, you know, another horse going crazy, whatever it is, you know, you may or may not have been able to prepare specifically for that exact thing. You haven't been able to expose your horse to that exact scenario with those specific circumstances. However, you have gone the extra mile leading up to that situation and purposefully, intentionally putting in the pieces that add up to the horse being able to move and respond and think and try even under pressure. So there's a lot of times when we're in what we would call a training environment where we are working on stuff and we might be doing different things. Maybe we're preparing for a competition or we're working cows or whatever we're doing. And we know we're sort of bringing our horse along. We're working on improving some uh, some things, the, the, the practical, physical things, but also deeper than that, you know, where their mind is at, what, how they're feeling about things. And we know we're, we're aware that we're trying to get them better about all this stuff. But then sometimes we don't add the urgency or we don't add the intensity even for our horse to be able to operate and be okay mentally and emotionally with a certain amount of intensity or urgency and then with probably the speed that's added to that whether that's you know literally like running or whether that's speed or, in, or intensity of the transitions in other words the changes that you're asking the horse to make 
come fast and furious and, and his balance is going to be challenged physically. His strength and balance are going to be challenged. Whatever that all adds up to, it's not going to happen very good probably when push really comes to shove if we haven't actually prepared ourselves and our horse to a certain degree prior to that. I talk quite a bit about some of these principles in my fundamentals series. And so if you haven't listened to those podcasts, I went through and I talked about the five fundamentals, that being forward motion, responsive forward and movement. Secondly, suppleness, the idea of flexion. And you bring those two things into combination, working, moving with suppleness and flexion in the body. And as you're doing that, you're working on the next two fundamentals, which is strength and balance different way of going. The horse is, is, we're asking them to move with flexion and suppleness in their body. That's a different way of going, requires a different type of balance and thus different muscles to maintain or regain that balance. Again, I encourage you to go back and listen to those. I've also got articles on that that I've written for Western Horse UK. And essentially, that's what I'm talking about here. The final fundamental is speed. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean just running, right? It actually is probably more challenging at times for our horses to have a, an, that urgency or that intensity of transitions where you need a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you might be yielding the hindquarter and then turning on the hindquarter and stepping the shoulder around and then going forward and back and sideways and this and that and you need these things right now, very precise, very accurate to do what you need to do in that moment. And it's like when I you know, basically side passed out of this bull, bull's path. Blackhawk and I were enough on the same page and tuned in enough with each other that I didn't have to beg him to get off my leg. I didn't have to kick him real hard or, or hope that he was going to move away from my leg there. We, we moved together there. We were of the same mind and it, he was sensitive and he was tuned in and it just happened. It just happened and it, it happened when I needed it to happen and again that situation or whatever it is that you may be facing or you may end up getting yourself into if if you haven't sort of touched on some of these things and had some conversation with your horse around this and there's, so there's understanding there's trust there's so there can be response uh, you you might not be able to get in the right place at the right time and it can be a matter of seconds or a matter of inches, you know, for you to be in the right place at the right time, not just to get the job done, which is important enough, but also to be safe and for you and your horse to, to uh, you know, live to ride another day. And so I just encourage you to think about all the pieces that make up the whole of whatever it is you're wanting to do and try to advance your maneuverability. Try to advance the the ways that you can ask your horse to move. Most of us can get our horses to, to go and stop and turn, you know, these sorts of real basics. A lot of times we, we basically end up, or maybe we've always been, in that real basic camp of kick them to go, pull on them to stop, you know, hand to the right to go right, hand to the left, go left, those sorts of things, and just really relying basically on our hands too much. And so if you haven't checked out my online video library, I, I've got a Ridden Basics series on there. And I talk about the seat, the legs, and the hands, and, and how to really incorporate more of your body and ride with more signal and balance rather than just 
capitalizing on the rains and really understanding what those rains are for. Um, and it starts on the groundwork. I mean, I've got a groundwork series on there too. So if you haven't checked that out, I, I do encourage you to prepare for the unknown and the uncertain by getting more maneuverable, getting more accurate, and, and clearing up that communication beforehand so that you're more prepared for the unknown. You and your horse are more prepared for those things that you, you just never know what might happen. My online video library starts with a free trial. It's at truewesthorsemanship.com. No obligation, free trial, seven days. You can check it out, have a look at those things, and your horse is going to thank you for it. We get a lot of awesome, good feedback from these videos. They're very unique, very unique, and it's a very affordable subscription. So check it out. And I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed that story. And, and again, thanks for tuning in here today. Hope you're having a great day. Hey, we'll catch you down the road. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.